We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. I am verified. But if you're new, this is where you follow me, at Mike Dugar. That's M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. And if you didn't catch that, you look for the guy with the blue check. Chris, talk to him. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206. And that's kid 206 Now we're back to the audio only. Uh, this is just me and Chris holding it down today. Shout out to everyone who's been subscribing to our YouTube channel, Seahawks Man to Man. Uh, shout out to all of our special guests that have joined on the video versions of the pod. Really excited about how it's coming along. Our most recent guest was Seahawks defensive line coach Clint Hurt. Please make sure you guys go check that out. Probably one of our... Um, more wide-ranging uh, interview was really, really good. Uh, first coach we had on the show. Uh, hopefully yes. we get many, many more uh, in the future and get Clint back on again. Uh, but it's been a long time since we heard from you guys, the listeners. We usually take questions, shoot, every, after every game, um, and usually get you guys get to be part of the show. And it's interactive in that way. Haven't done that for a while, um, so let's do it. Uh, we're, we haven't taken an off-season mailbag in a while. We have a ton of good questions. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Chris, you ready? Let's do it. And the cool thing is Mike was like, how about we split this up? You know, offense, defense, and miscellaneous. So we'll kick things off with our offensive questions, and then we'll flow through defense and miscellaneous. But let's kick this off. Our first question comes from the homie, KT. And he's talking about the offense here. Long shot, but any shot at establishing the pass? Because we know the Seahawks are going to be running the football. What's up with that? With the pass, though? No, I think that's a... I mean, really, I wish the answer was yes. I really, Because I do think that that's the way to build an offense. You know, and there are, there are coordinators out there who agree with me. I think Buffalo's, oh, dang, who's Buffalo? It's like Brian DeBowl or something like something like that. Is that. Was there OC or is there OC? It's even Google that for me. I think it's like Brian DeBowl or something like that. Uh, but, like, he, he believed that with Buffalo's offense last year. Like, they were using the pass to set up the run and then hopefully they were just also good at the run and I think they lacked a little bit but still had a really explosive offense uh, I think the Chiefs are are built the same way okay it is Brian DeBull yes yeah. sir so like the Chief, like Andy Reid agrees with that premise and that if we make them have to respect the pass 
move a safety out of the box, play more drop-in uh, coverages, then boom, we can just run it at them and get these big runs. Um, and I think like Brandon Staley's defense down in um, L.A. now, or yeah, down in L.A. with the Chargers, him coming from the Rams, his defense was built uh, with teams established in the past. That's why they were so damn good about the C- with, uh, against the Seahawks last year because they did establish the pass. But I think the reason that the answer is no here is because of what happened when they were established in the past. Pete Carroll was like, hmm, this isn't working. <laughs> this isn't going well. Russ is turning the ball over. Our offensive line is falling apart. Um, and we're barely uh, running the ball to my liking. And, I mean, I'm sure a part of the running the ball to his liking was not having Chris Carson in. But even when they had him in, they were only running it a little more than usual. So uh, we don't know a ton about what Shane Waldron's going to bring. I think there's a Shane Waldron question in here, too, that we will get to. But from what I can gather so far, it's going to work the other way around. It's going to be let's get out there and be physical and imposing. and Because I think that's where the like traditional football guy mindset is still prevalent as opposed to, let's see, the nerdiness of like analytics and, and passing. The football traditional guy sees value in running it at a team and like demoralizing them with runs. I think that's just old linemen agree with that. A lot of OCs agree with that. Um, a lot of head coaches agree with that, that there's just something more demoralizing at establishing the run. It's not just that it's more effective than passing. Most coaches would know that you um, you throw you throw to win the game, right? Like, they know that. But they just believe there's value in, like, hitting the other team in the mouth because when you're, when you're run blocking, you're actually going at the opponent versus when you're pass blocking you're on your heels. They just believe that. And Pete's one of those guys who believes that. And as long as he believes that, I don't think there will be any other seasons like 2020 where they're like coming out throwing and have it then like, all right, now let's sneak a couple runs in here. It will be the other way around, I think, because Pete Carroll is one of those dudes. And I think Mike Solari, the O-line coach, um, is, as, uh, is as well, where it's like, I see value in us imposing our will. You know how often you hear that on the broadcast, Chris? Like, yeah, they really established their will. You hear that with like Titans games these days with Derrick Henry. Like Derek, they believe that Derrick Henry runs are more physically demoralizing than AJ Brown passes or you know receptions. I don't necessarily know which is right or wrong. I think that's one of those things that players who played will be like, guys, just listen to us on this one. Your numbers, I feel you. I can hear the defensive tackle breathing hard as hell after these these few runs. Like I get it. Now I would counter that he'll probably breathe hard as hell on a screen pass that picks up the same amount that he has to go chase down, but, you know, do your thing. Uh, so long-winded way of saying no. I don't think there will be established in the past. I think we're going back to establishing the run. Not that you can't win games like that, but I don't think Pete Carroll's ever going to go back to establishing the pass after he has now fired three offensive coordinators, going back to whoever the dude was before Bevel, forget who it was. Um, but he's basically dumped three dudes after they passed the ball at a rate that he felt was too high. There were other issues there too, but like that's the com- one of the common threads with the three firings. So I don't know if Shane can come in here and just start establishing the pass, unless he wants to get fired after a year. There's your answer. <laughs> Chris Spears, why don't they give DK more 50-50 opportunities? Think he'll ever understand how big and strong he actually is? I think he answered his own question within the question. Um, It's like it's two-part. It's part of it is why doesn't, why doesn't DK understand his own body? And then the other is, 
more of a scheme thing. The yep. the first I think it's that that's a good that's a good way to put that because I've wondered that as well. I think someone posted on Twitter one day um, during the season last year. They was like, "Who would you want, AJ Brown or or um, or DK Metcalf?" Or maybe someone asked me that in a group chat, and I remember saying AJ. And I was like, "The difference." It was in, your group chat. It was. It was good. Okay, I yeah, we talked, talked about, about this. It. Yeah, it was. It was a group chat, and I said AJ, and I was like. The, t- the talent is, like, relatively similar between the two. Like, you're splitting hairs. Like, they're both really good and young and talented, big, strong, fast. The difference, I think, is that uh, AJ will go up and get the ball in a way that we haven't seen DK consistently do. And it was really funny because the same morning I said that, because it was like a Sunday morning, AJ had a catch, I think, against the Jags. Do you remember? It's like a one-hander yeah, in the end zone. And he tries, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it was disgusting. And I was like, I sent the, the, the clip into the chat, and I was like, See, boom, I haven't seen DK do this thing. Not that he hasn't had the opportunities. I mean, look at the uh, the fourth down play he has to keep the drive alive against the Vikings in week f- five, I think that is. Uh, Russ just throws it up. Russ is like, I believe in number 14 more than I do number 27 for the Vikings. And DK goes up and gets it. But then if you go watch the play again, DK goes up there and kind of cradles it, like catches it with his chest and his hands simultaneously. Versus what they teach you is you go up and high point that thing with two hands. And you just don't see him doing a lot of that. And it's really weird. Uh, me and Chris have talked about this because he does it pregame. You know, yeah. Chris, like, we'll be looking to see, like, OBJ he got the, the crop style. top shirt. Man, yeah, he's he'll up, be up there, there having fun. But. Flying, <laughs> high pointing passes with one hand, half naked. Like, it look, aesthetically, it's like, good God, this is great, this is great stuff. <laughs> who's, who's guarding this man? <laughs> right. But then it doesn't really come to fruition in the game. Not that there's not those type of plays. I mean, there was one um, as well in the, against the Rams uh, in the playoffs. It's a deep ball, I want to say, like third and long. Russ has to get, he, he kind of throws up a prayer. Um, and it's, it's basically DK versus Jalen. And Jalen just perfect technique, kind of pushes himself off DK a little bit, high points the ball and swats it away. DK ends up on the ground. Like the 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 opportunities are there, but that's why I think the second part of Chris's question, like you said, kind of answers it a little bit. Yeah. It's more on the receiver himself going up there. Like if we were to nitpick any part of DK's game at this point, aside from the drops, I would say it's the high pointing of the ball. It's something you, you got to work on, and I think this season. Maybe we'll see more of that. Well, he's practicing it on his like he's doing it pre game. Practice it in game now. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not saying you need to do one hand catches, but practice going up and high pointing it. You're gonna take big shots, but you're also a pretty big guy yourself, and you're very capable of holding on to the rock. Yeah, just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and give it a shot. You you're doing it in practice and warm ups. Translate that into games, and it starts with training camp. That's your first opportunity to really go up. Or in there in Mexico at Russ's house. <laughs> well, he, we know he's gonna do that. There's it gonna might- be a hype video in the next what. A month or less, they're going to see a high video of him, you know, sidestepping, showing his new footwork, and he's going to high point it. Show it in the game. Yeah, I think I do think that's, like, the subtle difference between DK and, and AJ and why AJ hit right now looks like to be on a little bit better trajectory just because he can do that part. You know, like, that was what made, like, DK and Julio built the same, like, physically, but Julio would go do that. There's that play of him, like, snatching one, I think, from Malcolm <laughs> Butler. England, yeah, yeah. <laughs> jumps over the top and give me that little DK guy. DK can do that. He can. He 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 can do that. He had a play where he um he can he can make contested catches. I don't think that's what we're talking about. We just want he, you to use your hands more and stop shielding, stop using your body as a shield. Use use your frame, your physical ability, and your leaping ability because he can do it. Yeah, he definitely. I mean, he does it. In, like I said, he does it in pregame, <laughs> half naked every every week, forty degrees outside. You got your 
crop top and you're crop out here. Yeah, with the abs. It looks great. He looks great. Does, but but that's a really good impression by Chris because that's something I think a lot of Seahawks fans. It's not like a huge thing, but in the back of their mind, like the next step for DK looks like making plays like Julio makes, where he go, I mean, he snatched one from Luke Kuechly too. Yeah, you remember that? Just high points right over. A Hall not of much Fame you can linebacker. do when you're six four and you're jumping four feet off the ground. And the guy's five eleven and a linebacker or a corner. Not much you can do. Last thing on on DK because he knows that he that's in his game. Like I think. He was on, this is before the draft, I think he's on first take with Stephen A. Smith, and Stephen A. asks him, like, why he's the best receiver in the class or something, to, and then DK says, you've just never seen anything like me. You've never seen me at this weight, at this height, with this speed, and he names his vert, I think like a 39, 41, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, your vert matters too, but you got to use, use it. it. You yeah. got to use the is. vert. To your what a way to wrap up the answer. Yeah, once he's yeah no, I've I've thought about this a lot. I was gonna write about it, but I don't. I think DK would need to sit down with me. We need to discuss it. I can't just be a Zoom. I need him, just me and him. Or other people are gonna like interrupt, ask stupid questions that I don't need. Anyway, let's go. Let's go. Let's <laughs> next next, next up, yeah. we got DG. We're gonna go wide receiver group here. The competition is heavy this offseason. How many wide receivers do you think the Seahawks will keep? I'm hoping Tamari on Terry and one of your guys that you talked about who you thought the Seahawks would draft, he went undrafted, of course, and that's Cade Johnson will make the team. Um, That's a good question, too. I think they've kept – man, their numbers have been so weird over the – Six, five. Yeah, they've had <laughs> – they had seven one year. I think one of those years they had P. Rich. It was, it was 15? I want to say they, they came out of camp in 2017 with seven. I want to oh, say seven. I remember okay. P. Rich being on the team at the time. Um, someone can go double check that. Uh, but I, I feel like they had come out with seven before or six or five, like one year, like Tanner McAvoy got like the fifth spot over like Case and Williams in one of them uh, preseasons. So they, they've had a, a, like the number has fluctuated. It hasn't been consistent. And maybe that's because I'm naming periods with different OCs as well. Um, like 2017 was still Bevel and 2018 beyond is shoddy. My guess would be six if everyone's healthy. So you'd probably have something like DK, Dwayne, Tyler, Freddie. What's that, four? Uh-huh. And that's where you can get a chance for a couple rookies to to sneak in or maybe they pull a vet uh, in camp. So like I, uh, I would say that the best chances are anyone who can play the slot, like the slot guys, will will have the best shot. I think John Arsua is a name in there that I like. I think some of those other guys who have like been around, but we haven't seen a ton from, um, like Penny Hart, Cody Thompson, even like Aaron Fuller, guys who have just been in the system for a while. Like we forget about those dudes, but with them you have to remember like how important like preparation, taking care of your body, knowing the playbook, like being being familiar with the speed of the game. Even if you haven't played a ton, like a Cody Thompson or something, that stuff does matter. Versus like a Kay Johnson, who's probably more talented. Those guys I just named, but when you're playing at where do you at South Dakota State, when you're when you're there and you just hop straight to the league, maybe it takes you a little longer than someone like like I said, like a Cody Thompson. Or a Penny Hart, who's played at this level. Penny Hart, who's like has a touchdown in a in a game, I think from Russ. Like he might have scored against the Jets, I think it was. So like I think Penny Hart. My guess would be those four I named. Penny Hart, would that be what five? Mm-hmm. And then you probably get a a rookie sneaking in. But the good thing is too, which is why I don't think the number really 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 matters, is because I think the practice squads will be expanded again this year. So you can have like 12 or like 16 dudes on the practice squad or something, and they still have they're going to have the rule again, I believe, where you can elevate guys on game day from the practice squad and then 
just send them right back without having to go through waivers. You can do that a few times. So even if they only have like five or six, if you carry three or four in the practice squad, you like always have, dang, that's math. What is it, what's that, like nine? You have like nine or ten available at all times. So I, I don't think it like for someone like Cade, I don't think it really matters if he makes the 53. As long as he's just on the practice squad and can get elevated, he's got a shot to to have an impact. But yeah, those are my top five. The the Dwayne, Tyler, DK, uh, Freddie, and then boom. And I think Penny. And then after that, you probably got one 53-man spot up for grabs. And I think the leader would probably be John Arsua, but we'll see. Next up, this is from P-Town, 124. Have you been able to notice any difference in offensive line play scheme when the offense is on the practice field? Earlier this year, there was an article about how McBay's system strives to make it easier on linemen. I was wondering if anything Waldron is doing is similar. No, I think I think so far it's been really basic. Uh, and also, I think, like, behind the scenes look here for a second. I don't know if they're doing this on purpose. But, like, so at the at the Seahawks practice facility, there's a, a big hill. It's called, like, a berm, a burn or something like that that we have to stand on. And they, like, have been strategically doing certain parts on the opposite side of the field. So you you damn near need binoculars there to really see what's going on on the opposite side where they do all the defensive stuff close to us, like D-line drills, linebacker drills, secondary stuff. That's why if you guys notice from minicamp, all the videos are mostly like Bobby and the corners and the D-line. That's because that's where we're at. We can't see what's going on on the far side, at least nothing like detailed. You can't hear the coaches barking anything like you can when you, you can hear Clint Hurt barking at his guys. Um, so I think that's doing us a little bit uh, of a disservice too. The other part of it is like they can't do much with like I think I don't know how much they can actually go against each other uh, during the parts of uh, off season that we've been able to work at. So that's something I don't know if we'll be able to see a ton of difference in. I think the something that we will see because didn't Sam Gold talk to us about uh, trying to like stretch the defense out a little bit more? Was that in there? I believe so, yes. Because I I think that's maybe the only notable thing. I have to go back and look at that one. But I think they're purposely being really vague with the offense, what they tell us about it, what they show us. I think that first preseason game, we get some stuff on tape is going to be really telling. But like just from padless practices in the summer where they're just trying to install everything, I don't know if we can really get a good look at the O-line. We need to revisit this one after like the preseason when I dove into some tape. And really been able uh, to see what's going on. Makes sense. This runs from SP underscore demand. With the Lockett extension, hopefully a Brown, Diggs, and Adams extensions as well. The likely DK extension after the 2021 season. And a new OC as well as drafting Eskridge. Why do some still feel like this will be Russell Wilson's last season in Seattle? Um, so I, I get the I get the gist of the question. It's like we're doing all these things that Russ will like. Why would Russ potentially be gone? Um, I don't. I do think all those things are important to Russ. You know, Dwayne Brown staying around, Tyler Lockett staying around, um, having two Pro Bowl safeties. You know, on the roster, like that's Russ knows any playmakers on defense. Those are playmakers. Uh, he likes the fact that they got. Uh, you know, if DK stays around, that's good too. Got another weapon to throw to in Dwayne Eskridge. That's good, too. I don't know if the new OC, that remains to be seen. You got to remember, he didn't want the old guy fired. So I don't know how hype you can legitimately be about the the new guy yet. But I do think that there's a sentiment that Russell Wilson could not be here in 2022. I'm one of those people who actually still feels that it's a possibility. Is if they lose again. 
You know, I don't think like uh, all those things in mind, if they get to the wild card round and lose again in a, uh, with the O-line not performing well, because as good as the O-line was for most of the year, they were not good at all in that wild card game. Like they, um, I was talking to somebody who has intimate knowledge of the offense. This was over the off season. And we're just like, we picked the worst time to play our worst game up front. Mm. They did like, they blame a lot of the issues uh, up, up front. It wasn't just all of the issues, but that was like this particular person's um, view of the situation. And no, that person is not Russ. If you're wondering, uh, I know when I said it, I was like, they're going to think that's Russ. No, I did not talk to Russ uh, about it. But I'm sure he agrees with that, too. <laughs> That's why he said he's not, he don't want to get hit uh, that much. So I do think that if, like, for example, here's a scenario. How many games is there? 17 now? Mm-hmm. They go 12 and 5. That's a good year. Either they, you can either win a division with that or get second. I really don't think it matters in this scenario. You Let's say you host a wild card game. You end up winning the division, get the three seed. You host. Give me the sixth seed this year. Who's going to get the sixth seed? Uh, probably, I'll say the Niners. Okay. Boom. You get the Niners. Niners at a six seed. They bring in Trey Lance and the Seahawks lose at home, Central League Field or whatever it feels called now for the second year in a row with an established the run type of offense. I don't care how intricate or intelligent or whatever the buzzwords are now. If that happens again and Russ is forced to well, go to the Super Bowl again in a suit and sit next to Goodell, uh, I think that that's going to be another problem. That is. I don't know. I can't project exactly what his beef will be at the time, but I know he'll be pissed about losing. He will As be. he should. He will be. He, this wild card stuff, not for him. This guy, two of the three first seasons in the NFL, he was in the Super Bowl. And then in his first year, they made a divisional round, right, and lost a, a, a one-score game, I think. So this guy expects to win. If they don't win, and he doesn't feel like he was able to do all he could to help them win, that's when he gets pissed. So I think, yes, Lockett, Tyler, or Lockett, DK, Diggs, Adams, Brown, if they all get paid, you know, if Shane's a good OC, if Dwayne's end up being a decent receiver, he'll still be upset if the if the season doesn't end with him holding the trophy or at least playing for the trophy. That's just kind of how Russ gets down. Next up, Vince Mastern at V underscore Mastern. On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your Shane Waldron hype level? Do you believe the players that he's a game changer for this offense? You know, we haven't made a relationship analogy on here in a long time, Chris. Uh oh, is it that time? Yeah, I think it might be that time. Like we are very much in the honeymoon phases of the Shane Waldron thing, and I don't want to necessarily rain on any parades because I don't have enough intel to do so. Um, but I do think, like when you, the way you hear Will Disley or DK or Russell or Pete or or Tyler or whoever talk about it, you know, it does. It very much sounds like. You heard the 80-20 rule, Chris? I think our listeners are familiar with the yep. 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. I'll explain. I'll explain a little bit. So, like, it, it's the, it's the, I don't know who created this thing, but I remember hearing it in the Tyler Perry movie and researching it after that. So it's the idea that in a relationship, you'll only get 80% of what you need. Whatever that is to you personally, it's just going to be 80%. You'll never get the full 100, right? So you and then someone else is super attractive to you because they're giving you the 20, that extra 20 that you're not getting. And so it feels like right now, Shane is offering, if nothing else, the 20%. Look at all of the things that are being described right now with with Shane. It's tempo. It's balance. It's like, uh, I think Pete Carroll said, yeah, I've kind of just stepped back and let him 
uh, do his thing because he's so good with the offense. Autonomy. It's getting the getting the ball out quicker. It's all of the things that that were supposedly not supposedly not happening before. It's the twenty percent. You know, it's the if you're in a relationship, everything's perfect except the fact that they leave the toilet seat up. So you keep falling in. <laughs> if the new person is just only putting the seat down for you, that seems great. It's like, yo, they're leaving the seat down. You know, like they're doing that thing, that one thing that you aren't getting or those one or two things. So I think that's kind of where we are with Shane, that the hype level in the building is 10 because of that. Because it's all of these things that, that supposedly were not happening before. And I think that's why in a relationship it's important because you just realize, wait a minute, I think we were just kind of hyping up these one or two things when really, like, that 80% wasn't too damn bad. You know, they were having top 10 offenses with the 80%. So I do think Shane's going to be a good OC. The thing that I'm kind of worried about and what, what I just hinted at that Pete said is the autonomy. Is he going to, is Pete going to step back and let him do his thing? It's very easy to do that in May. It's easy to do that in June. It's easy to do that in April. Everything changes when you get W's and L's. Yeah, exactly. If Shane has a bad game plan and they lose a crucial divisional game, like, you know, th- the Thursday night or to the Rams or something, and they have to have a tough convo, is then is then is Pete going to still be hands off? Or is he going to, you know, is he going to jump back in? He he, he was probably hands off with Shoddy. Two games in, they go 0-2 against the Bears and um, Broncos in 2018. His first two games, what happens? Pete and Shoddy have to have a talk. What was the result of that talk? Them being the run-heaviest team in the league. So I think... I'm I'm fairly optimistic. I I should say about Shane. I think he's gonna be he's gonna do things that help. I think it does help that he's also got a really talented roster. He's probably got the best O line that Russell's ever had. He's got two stud receivers. He's got a stud running back. He's got weapons to work with, and I think it's hard to mess that up, even if you're a first time play caller. But the thing that I'm gonna wonder about and be having my eye on is what happens if things go wrong. What happens when they have a bad game? What happens when the scheme they get out schemed by the other defensive coordinator? What happens? Does Pete step in? Is he still hands off? How does Shane adjust to that? So for right now, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with everyone. Yeah, twenty percent. Yeah, Shane's great. I'm I'm here. I'm like, what is it? Scale of one to ten? The accident? probably like a seven. Where you at, Chris? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. 
Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know, Mike, that's a good question. I would, I'm going to go with a five. I think a five, and there's just so much that I want to see from a standpoint of gameplay, gameplay decisions. I want to see how it all comes together. You mentioned the three previous OCs and what happened with them. They were throwing the rock and they got let go. If Shane comes in throwing the rock, whether it's quick or short, whatever the case may be, and it's not working, what does that mean for him? Is he one year and out as well because he was trying the pass game? But another thing that kind of shored everything up was the fact that they 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 got Chris Carson long term for the most part. They would they would have worked that out if they didn't have Chris Carson. I'd probably be a little higher because now they're going to be forced to pass the ball because they're not sure about the run game. And I'm not saying the Seahawks wouldn't go out and look for another running back, but I think the acquisition or the extension of Carson makes it very known, makes it obvious to me that they're looking to run the ball. And I just, I'm unsure. That's why I'm giving it a five. I'm just not 100% sure on what the Seahawks are going to do. Pete's saying all the right things. Shane's saying all the right things. It's a 20%. <laughs> it's the age when he run that. But yeah, that's why I am at five. Jer- Jeremy Bates is the OC that I couldn't remember the name of, 2010. Yeah, that was a guy before before Bevel, I believe. So yeah, no, I'm 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 with you on that. The other thing too is like I want to know I need to know more about how, how Shane processes like analytics and mm, stuff. That's because they point. do them. Yeah. They do them. So there's so there's two things that are really important to me right now about Shane and the offense is all right, how are you processing? analytics because this person that i also talked to um who had this like like i said intimate knowledge of the offense and how it works and everything seattle's offense specifically they were telling me like yo we do we don't just use raw numbers right like with me and this person were arguing over seattle i said seattle's really bad on third down and he was like well what type of third downs i was like what you mean I was like you guys are like one of the worst third down teams in the league or something like that and he was like well break it up look at us on third and three or shorter versus three and third and four or longer, right? Because he's like, internally, that's how we break it up. Yeah. Um, he was like, we, because that's you know, different personnel packaging and things like that. Like, you can run the ball on third and two. So, like, more things are open to you. You're using different personnel. Um, the same thing with, like, all right, now it's third and 11. And then he, like, this this person had, he had all the numbers and stuff like that for each one, like, in front of him. That's why he kind of rejected my notion that they need to be better on third down. Not to say, like, in totality, yes, he was, we, were, we agreed there, but he was like, we need to, like, look specifically where are we falling short and why. And so there was some, um, the, I, I use that anecdote to say that they do use, um, ana- use analytics. Like, I think Ben Baldwin has said this before. It ain't that NFL teams aren't using numbers to make decisions. They're using the wrong numbers. <laughs> like, that's the rule of 53 that Pete Carroll um, and, and, like, Brian Schottenheimer and I think even Daryl Bevel have used before that rule of 53 stuff. Like, it was, like, total rushing attempts. And uh, you add completions or something like that. If they equal 53, you have a good game or something. Something stupid. That didn't make any sense. Like, that's bad analytics. It's like analytics for dummies doing it wrong. So <laughs> I th- I want to know more of how Shane gets into some of that stuff to inform his decision-making. And the other thing is, I do think we are, like, underestimating Russell's role in how fast the ball comes out. You know, that, that's really, really, really important here. It's just like, oh, Shane Waldron's going to come in and design short passes. Daryl Bevel and just <laughs> Shoddy sitting there like, huh, wonder why I never thought of short passes. <laughs> oh, my goodness, guys. 
Why didn't I think it? Des- no, man. Of course they did. Now there's going to be types of them. Maybe the design stuff is more comfortable for us or whatever. But like, to, from what I saw, Bevel and Shoddy did a pretty good job working with the things Russ is good at and trying to not do too much of the things Russ is not as comfortable with or wasn't as good at at that particular juncture in his career. And I think that's why you look at like a heat map or a passing chart of Russ's career, and it's pretty consistent over his whole growth where he's not throwing the ball a lot, which is like directly in front of him and short, and where he's throwing the ball a lot outside the numbers and far, right? Like those are his like throws he's most comfortable with. So I don't think that necessarily it's, oh, Shane comes in, everything's shorter now and quicker and intermediate and whatever. It's like, guys, if it was that simple, like, Shadi would have figured that out. Like, Shadi would still be here. Yeah, he's not an <laughs> idiot, right? Like, he knows there's there's short, there's there's short a short pass designed in all these schemes, right? There's something, yeah. they get, there's an outlet or something to help Russ out, right? To, unless you're on, like, the goal line or something. So I, I think those two things is what I want to know more about with Shane. But so far, I'm a little bit more optimistic on that than you are chris but that's all right we, st- we still both got stuff we want to see that was a good question though we got time we got time we're gonna go to the defensive side and we're gonna kick things off with cornerback because not everybody is satisfied with the corners in the room and i get it so this first question comes from moy would the addition of Xavier howard make the seahawks a legit super bowl contender well yeah but is Xavier even available like where we're i don't know where that came from uh, but, yeah, of course. I mean, what did a dude have, like, 9, 10 picks last year? Led the league. Went and crazy. Had, and he had good picks, too. Like, you look at his picks. They weren't just, like – I mean, every pick is, like, good, quote, unquote. But, like, he had some where it's, like, man coverage. And he just – like, he had one against Tyreek Hill last year where I think might have been covering, like, a wheel or something and just comes up and snags it in the end zone. I was like, oh, that's legit. Like, that was a legit pick. Uh, but, yeah, I think any legit corner – not legit. I think any elite defensive player would push them into that. But I think they already are a contender. Because think about how being a contender works, right? So I look at, we've talked about this on the show. I think contender is, can you get to the dance? Because the dance is a, a, a one game on a neutral field most years. Again, with two weeks to prepare, like there's all these circumstances that are different from a regular season game. Right, so anybody can beat anybody in one game. I don't really think it matters that much in the contender convo. Like, I don't think very many people would have expected the Bucks to beat the snot out of the Chiefs in the Super Bowl like they did. But you would have expected that if I tell you that the Chiefs' O line was decimated. Right, like anything can happen. It's a very random game. The Super Bowl is. Can you get there? And so, how do you measure whether a team can get there? You start with can you win your division? Yes. They just won. <laughs> so, yes, you start there. The follow-up to that is that can you win the NFC? Well, who are the other good teams in the NFC? The, the Bucks. Best, the best in the NFC is probably the Bucks. Um, second best team is probably the Packers. Mm, Crapshoot after that, maybe? Yeah, yeah after Rams, that. Rams, Seahawks. Yeah, after that, Rams, Seahawks are all probably right right there. Um, so, yes, can you win the NFC? I, I do think so. Um, so, I do think they're already in contender space there, necessarily. But, yeah, a better corner would... Would definitely push it over top. I don't think that that's uh oh, he's probably asking that because Xavier's beefing about his contract right now, I think. That's what it is. But I don't think that's gonna lead to him getting getting traded. Not at all. Probably not. But on the hindsight, that would be crazy if the Seahawks wound up and got him. A lot of trades. Yeah, no, that would be, <laughs> but yeah, I think because he's got a lot of Xavier has a lot of years left on his deal, I think is where that's going. And he's beefing about that because he feels like he's outperformed his contract already. But I don't think that 
Yeah, I don't think he's going to get any new money. But good, good luck to the brother. Hope he does. But, yeah, I don't think he will. Now, see, this one I put on defense, even though it's special teams. I guess maybe that could have been miscellaneous. What do you think there? Which, what's the question? This question is, what do you think our special teams unit is going to look like this year? And what do you think it'll take for the unit to be top 10? I mean, it was top 10 last year. I want to say it was like, I mean, it, there's different metrics to measure special teams. But I really want to, if we were to just use, I think, like, F- Football Outsiders has, like, DVOA uh, for special teams. Uh, I think they were like what top three? Maybe they had a really good special teams uh, unit last year. I think so. Maybe be number one this year. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they were damn close. Yeah, they were third in special teams DOA, DVOA last year, and that makes sense. They had a Pro Bowl punter. <laughs> no, nah, he didn't. Mike did. I don't know if Michael Dixon made the Pro Bowl. He made the Pro Bowl. I thought he did. Uh, check that for me. But I just know they had like a kicker who didn't miss. Uh, my years what's happening yeah a punter who is like has some of the best metrics in the league um you had a pro bowl didn't tyler Ott make the pro bowl as a line a long snapper and i'm pretty sure that nick Ballore made it uh, on special teams as oh, he well didn't. So, yeah so like you've have but i like look at the unit though you have tyler Ott, who got an extension uh the uh not too long ago you got tyler Ott, michael dixon who also got an extension and jason myers i think they've all made a pro bowl within the last like three years, years. Yeah. yeah so like the unit was really good last year and you got coverage guys who make you like uh nick below fullback just made it like the special teams i think is still gonna be uh really good like it was a it was a really really good unit last year michael dixon was on fire like again that's why he got the bag jason myers he didn't miss at all last year right did he go perfect <laughs> last year on on field goals I want to say yeah, he might have so. missed one, and if he didn't, he was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just to save so, my ass on that one, because so I don't remember off top. I think it'd actually be really, really good again. Like, I have no reason um, to believe that um, it won't be. Top I, I would, least, I would yeah. expect, yeah, another top five. Uh, but do you see why I didn't know if I should put it in offense or defense or miscellaneous? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you, I'm surprised you put it on here at all because I mean, <laughs> never kick is still in effect. <laughs> like it, 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 it really is. Yeah, Mike, uh, Jason Myers, 24-24. Last year. He missed four extra points. You gotta make those. That's what that's what it was. But he hit all of his field goals last year. Like it's hard to damn, how do you not make the Pro Bowl doing that? What more do you gotta do? Oh, I think I think what's his name though from the Falcons probably made it. Money. The young young way. Yeah. Young Way cool was it? Yeah. Yeah. Because he was nasty. Like, I had him in fantasy. He was oh. <laughs> he, he, he little he, plug there. Yeah, he was he uh, if, well I, I wasn't good last year in that well, league, but and at least you had at least you had a kicker. Yeah, no, nah, he he was nasty. So yeah, I, I would expect like one of the someone's gonna have the, I, Michael Dixon might make another Pro Bowl, Jason Myers could again. Uh yeah, I, I think they're gonna have a really strong unit next year. Well, this one is definitely a defensive question. No questions about it. This one's from at X Rar War One. Do the Hawks have a great pass rush and D-line this year, or is just hope that hope and prayers and a lot of BS hype as usual? Enough of the games already. And the posturing, we deserve better treatment than what we've allowed over the last five years. There's a lot of beef in that uh, question there. <laughs> as I read, I'm like, damn, this is getting personal. Uh, no, I don't think there's a lot of hype. Uh, this the hype is like justified this year, I think, and I don't think it's been written about enough. I've I've been trying, like I think the D line room. I mean, shoot, we just had the D line coach on the pod. I think the D line room is really, really, really solid. Um, and I think in the previous years, it actually hasn't been a lot of hype. We've been really down on the unit. Like last year, going into it, it was like, ah, oh, there's no clowny, we're screwed. Um, yeah, that I, I literally voiced that opinion like oh there's no clowning i don't know what they're gonna do with the pass rush and it was a bad pass rush right what it, what it wasn't it, great what did clint hurt say we couldn't give a quarterback covid for eight weeks Bars, <laughs> yeah man. that was it was a, it was 
was bad. Not and good. even the year before that, before they got Clowney, it was it wasn't good. <laughs> it was not. No, it was like okay, what do we got left for Ziggy? Um, we just got just traded away Frank, but picked up this LJ kid. So who knows? Um, and there was still a lot of uh, questions there. Now when they got Clowney, it was like oh, it's great. Then the hype started, but the off season, it, it wasn't it wasn't really great. So I think it even when they cut Carlos Dunlap this off season before re-signing him, it was very concerning then too. I was like, whoa, what's going on? But like right now, you look, Carlos, Benson, I don't even want to count Alden Smith right now because I'm not really sure what's going on with that situation. I know a little bit, but not enough to speak um, on it like authoritatively. But like Benson, Carlos, Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson, Jamal Adams factoring into to the pass rush. I think they're going to, Puna Ford, I think they're going to be exciting. I think it's probably going to be a top five. It's, it's not BS to answer the question. It's not BS. I think it's legit this year. There it is. We got two questions. We're going to put them into one, and it's about Robert Kamdiji. It's from at Baher and at Mike Davidson. You gotten to see Kamdiji at camp. How do you think he contributes this year, and how impressive could he be with his roster? And then the second part, it's about Ashari Crosswell. Is he flying under the radar? Uh, I haven't got to see a ton of uh, Is it Kamdiji? He said. Yeah, I, can beat you, yeah. I haven't got to see a, see a ton of him. I do. I did. He did look. He was in some good shape. Uh, like that's the part you really want to check for with guys who haven't played. I don't know when's the last how many games he's ever played in a in a full season. Like it's been a little bit. He's had a one of them weird careers where he've had injuries. Um, I know he got in some trouble off the field once. I think like he's 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 kind of been all over the place. Um, I do think he's gonna be one of those rotational guys. He'd probably be one of those three techniques. Um, so. What do we? Who would be the starters? I think the start like LJ would probably be a starter. Puna would probably be a starter, and I would guess that like Al Woods would probably be a, a starter up front, and then your ends will probably be something like Daryl Taylor and Carlos Dunlap. But I think that like when Puna comes off the field, you probably get uh, DJ coming in. I think that that's solid. It's like you're using Puna and using Robert to kind of supplement the loss of Jaron Reed, which as Clint Hurt talked about. It's, it's a big loss. Like, you're losing your signal caller. But I think when you're mixing in, like, Kerry Hyders and Rasheems and and, 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 and Kadiche, like, that's that's a decent group. Um, but as I name all those other guys, it's competitive, too. Like like I said, you got Rasheem in there. You've got Puna in there. You've got Al Woods. You've got Kerry Hyder. You've got uh, Brian Monet. Like, you've got other guys who got talent. So I think that, well, I think if he does make the team, he, he can do some things. And, you know, stays in good shape, doesn't get hurt. At the same time, he could easily just not make it. So, the like, one of the questions was, is Robert Kandice looking impressive enough to have a roster spot? I mean, maybe? And that's not going to say the anything, indictment of his skills in particular. There's just other talent to do. I'm really high on the D-line. Like, I I, I really am I'm high on the D-line. As you should be. It's, it's far more improved than it has been the last few seasons. It was probably one of the best groups in the league in the back half of the season like as much as the offense went into it, like took a dive the d-line and the, just the pass rush in general again we're factoring jamal um in a line the whole like front seven like all of that just turned up yes and i do think like even losing jay reed which i do think is a big loss i think the guys that they've brought in with the addition of daryl taylor a healthy jamal adams like i do think that's like I have no zero concerns about the pass rush. I think it's going to be there all year, as long as these guys are healthy. Well, I think this answers the next question. Which position group should fans be most hyped about? 
Yeah, no. I, <laughs> well, there it is. Uh, uh, uh. That's a man. It's a tough one. Because I was going to say corner. Be most hyped about? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would There's say. There's three position groups that I'm interested in, but. So if I'm the most hyped. I think I that like. I would probably go with the pass rush. I do. I will say this. On the other side of the ball, this is probably going to be the best O line Russ has had. Mm. Like the top from like top five, because like if your if your worst lineman is Ethan Posick, like what he got, what he gave last year, that's okay to me. I think that's okay because I mean, while having a top end guy like Dwayne Brown, I think is really Dwayne Brown who had a really good year. Uh, last year like by like you you go look at the dude to study film way more than I do you look at the dude to study numbers more than I do like combine how they feel with like the eye test look that I got watching Dwayne of every game last year like he was he was on it and I think having a top end guy is very important like you like your top guy is really good but at the end of the day lineman move is one so you it's really you're almost it's like we talked about with defense in the past on this show on defense, I really do think that you're, and especially when you're in the playoffs, you're only as good as your 11th guy on the field. And I think O-line is kind of very similar, which you kind of are only as good as your fifth guy. But if your fifth dude is Ethan, I'm cool with that. So I think, yeah, most hype, probably D-line. Okay, cool. I guess but, they're right because yeah, it's on the defensive side. Of yeah, most, most hype <laughs> D-line, but I think there are reasons to be optimistic about the O-line in ways that, there haven't been before. Got you know it, what okay. I mean? But I want to know, why are you most hyped about corners? Because of, you lose Shaquille Griffin, right? That, that was That's your, the opposite of hype. Well, the hype is you, you go out and draft a guy who's undersized. We saw what DJ Reed did. That was very impressive. I want more DJ Reed. We talked to him on the pod. I want to see what he's going to do this year. He's going to be completely healthy. He came off an injury, riddled season, regards, this, what was it? His, um, he tore his pec around tech, this time yeah, last year. So, so I mean, he had he, no offseason. He was really just going out there and doing his thing, but now he has an off season. He's going to be training, doing training camp. He's healthy. And then you look at who they drafted again, and Trey Brown. He's undersized. A lot of that has to do with the fact that DJ balled out, right? Mm-hmm. You look at Trey Flowers. He's once he has something to prove. They were willing to just put him put him on a bench, and they were going after Quentin Dunbar. Things just didn't work out, mm-hmm. right? You also have Marquise Blair was coming back from injury. He's gonna want. He's gonna have a lot to say. He was, I would say, promised to be a stud with his defense, but he got hurt in week one, and we haven't seen him since. Week two, week two. Oh, it's week two. Excuse yeah. me. Uwe Amadi, another guy who's talented. He got some time to play, but he kind of fell down the depth chart. So this this unit is is packed with talent. There's a lot of promise, I think, there, and there's a lot to be slept on about this. We don't know enough. And I think that's why I have it so high, and that's what I'm hyped about because I'm also I also love corners and their play. Gotcha. They have to do, so your hype comes from just the unknown. Hell yeah! Okay, this okay. is gonna be one of those like if they go out and ball, damn, the Seahawks did a really good job. If they don't, okay, well, what can we do now to make this better? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's like the glass half full. Look at the cornerback group because I think where where some people have questions is. All of those guys you named are just relatively unproven. Exactly, and they have the something to prove, and I think they're going to prove it. And if they do, bravo. That's all That's all it takes, right? But we'll move along here. Next question we got, it is about cornerbacks. Is, do you think it's going to be a major liability this year? 
I don't think liability is a strong word, but I I get the sentiment. I think so. Who asked this? Is this, this is from Team Norden underscore Team Norden. Yeah, so I think that the way where they're coming from on this is where a lot of people are. They're like, look, you've got all these guys who are like, uh, like I said, unproven. DJ Reed, small sample size, played really well in that small sample. Um, Trey Flowers has been in the starting lineup, out the starting lineup, on the bench, not on the bench. So. Um, and then you got Akello who has, he says when he, when he's healthy, I forgot about Akello. Thank you. Best, best corner in the league. He has played at a very high level when healthy. He is correct uh, about that. Um, and then who am I missing? Oh, then Trey Brown, who we just don't know about who I, I really like. Um, I'll see how he battles against some guys uh, who are bigger than him. Like we're talking about with those DK jump balls and stuff like that. I don't really care how high your vert is. Like if you are that height and DK is that height. You can't. There's nothing you can. It's a loss every yeah, time. Yeah, there's nothing you can do <laughs> uh, about that. Really, you can try to play through the hands, and we'll see. We'll see how strong it is. But I do think that there's a sentiment that that this is the worst position group on the on the team, which it's a very strong roster. So I mean, that's not like the biggest insult, but like as DJ Reed said, they do feel disrespected by it, and maybe that turns into a big chip on their shoulder, and they go out and and ball. I think, but I think it's fair to wonder about this particular group. I'm not too down on them just because I'm, I mean, I'll just keep it real simple. I think they're going to put three dudes on the field at corner, including the nickel slot who can cover. Like, I really just do think that they were going to put three dudes out there who can cover. I think I would, I would guess that Akello is the starting left corner week one. I'd probably say, I'd say Akello with a spoon week one. The starting right corner, I'd say DJ Reed. Slot will probably be Marquise Blair. That's fine to me. That's like we'll see, we'll see. Like you gotta give three weeks of that and watch it and see how they look. But I do think that's three dudes that can cover. Like I won't say liability because then I, liability means someone can't cover. Like that's that's legitimately an issue. I don't think that they'll have that be a problem in the regular season. The postseason it can get different because one bad matchup and you could be out. We've uh, I, I've used this example before. I got ridiculed on Twitter that night that they, that. You know, that it happened. But, like, the Green Bay, really good defense, really good secondary. They had one weak link who could not cover. It was Kevin King. And boom, game over. Right? There was other reasons they lost or whatever. But, like, in particular, they had one weak link, and that was a wrap. I mean, we Seahawks fans know this. Like, the Legion of Boom, that right cornerback slot has been the weak link before. Yeah. When you got Cam one place, Earl one place, Sherman the other place, it's like, ah, damn. We can only throw it one guy. But if we can design our offense to just exploit that dude and his rules, we can win the game. You even look at that with um, the Seahawks in 2019. They had one Pro Bowl corner in Shaquille Griffin, but they had weak links. And what did Green Bay do? Exploit the hell out of them weak links with Devontae Adams. And what did, what did, How many times did Devontae even line up with Shaq? Once maybe in that mm-hmm. game. He spent the whole rest of the time going at Ugo and Trey, and boom, game over. So I do think in the regular season, at least right now, I can take the glass half full and not say liability because I do think they're going to put guys on the field who can cover, irregardless of height. That's your most important job. After that, though, once I get to, like, to see a sample and see how these guys play, then we can have a discussion about like liability and stuff. But right now, I think even if you're kind of like skeptical and you're looking at like glass half empty at the corners, you can simplify and be like, are we putting three dudes out there who can cover? Yeah. All right, then we got a shot. Somebody gets hurt. I don't know about that. 
Like if those, those three dudes are gonna have to stay healthy, I think. Cause then you start getting into questions about do they have three dudes that can cover on any given week? And I think if they lose one or two of those guys injury or something, then I think it's time to panic. Then I think we can start using the word liability. Right now, I, I don't think so. It killed two birds with one stone there because you also answered Elliot Greason's question regarding about how the secondary will play out. Yeah, that's my guess of the depth. So chart. that's that, that works out. If I had to go, if I had to go a too deep there, I would go with Trey Brown backing up Akello, Trey Flowers backing up DJ Reed, and then Ugo backing up Marquise. So it'd be my top six. Um, I think. It gets a little tricky with Pierre Desir and Demarius Randall factoring in there. Um, I think they could easily be the backups to Akello ahead of Trey. Okay. Perfect. But other than that, that's, that's how I see it shaping up. Our last, My starters right. are staying the same, though. Marquise, DJ, and Akello. All right. Last question for the defense. This one comes from John Weiser. We're going to throw it back about seven, eight years to a specific play. What coverage was the Seahawks running when Andrew Luck threw that 70-yard touchdown to T.Y. Hilton. I, I guess this must be coming up because uh, the Seahawks open at Indy, which I need to book a flight for after we do this. Now I, <laughs> I, I got approved for all my travel. Um, this Back year. in it? Yeah, I got it. Uh, that, yeah, I got approved for it. Yeah, got vaccinated. I'm going to be hitting the road. I got to, except for the preseason opener in Vegas. I don't blame I'm, you. not sending me to that. It's <laughs> a shame. But, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the road this year. I guess um, that would be lit. Uh, Vegas, Vegas? Yeah. yeah, man. When is Vegas not lit? Maybe yeah. last year during COVID. No, 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 no. It was, it was then too. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. Man. It, 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 yeah, they were, okay. out, they were outside. <laughs> um, what covers? Oh, they were, they were in cover three. Uh, it was a really good concept that got basically Richard Sherman in a compromising position and gave up the, gave up like a corner route to to Ty. It was really good. Me and Chris watched it before the show. I'm assuming that's where that question is coming from because they're playing the Colson's view. It's not. That's random as hell. <laughs> it really is just random as hell. Fun to answer. They're fun to revisit, but just random as hell. And now we're getting to our miscellaneous questions, which are pretty much all over. Some might even be random as hell. Could you guys pick a Seahawks first, second, or third year player that you predict will take the development leap this season? Thanks for all the hard work you guys do and for being the best CRS podcast out there. Appreciate the love, Chris Hamilton. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the love there. Let's see. A first, second, or third gear player. Dang, that's pretty broad. Uh, let's see. I will take... You want to both do one? You can go ahead and not get your guy out, and I will take mine. I will. T- I don't know about first year who will take a development league because the rookie class is just kind of it's small and there's not a lot. There's not a lot going on there. So who are my second year options here? I got Jordan Brooks. I got That's da- an easy one. I, I got Daryl Taylor. Who else I got in that group? Daryl Taylor, Damian Lewis. Uh, not not a ton. You know what? Okay, I go. I go Marquise. I'm gonna go Marquise. You're gonna go with the third year. Yeah, third year guy. I'm gonna go take Marquise okay. Blair. I, man, I think Ugo played like he did. He did what he could in that and as the nickel last year. I think he's fine. Like I do think he's he he can cover. You know, he's seeing he was seeing the field really well later in uh, the season. Like he's, I think he's got he's got a lot of potential there. I just I wish that fans were there. This is one of those where I wish fans were there for training camp last year during the pandemic. Well, I'm still in the pandemic, but you get my point. Yes. The difference between the two, I think, was very clear between Marquise and Ugo at the time. I think Ugo is very talented. I just think the difference was clear. It's just, it felt very similar to 2018 when we were watching the running backs, and I'm like, hey, 
number 32 looks like he moves at a different speed than the other guys. I know they just drafted a kid, but number 32 is different. That's how it felt last year watching the nickel spot. It was like, oh, number 28, really good. Whoever's wearing 27 is a monster. Like I, I like I like what I see from that dude. So that's where I'm going with with Marquise. So I don't know if it's going to take a developmental leap or whatever um, this year, but I just do think if he stays healthy, he's going to ball. And I do think he's going to hit the snot out of people. Like that's just been he's been doing it quietly for a little bit, like whether it's the forced fumble he had against the Falcons or like he smacked, I think, like Debo Samuel and made him fumble uh, in that week 17 loss in the season in regular season finale that year. Smacked that dude against Denver. Um, and his preseason opener, remember that? When we were in Miami, when was, everybody was sending us the highlight, he just smacked that kid. Um, yeah, no, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Marquise Blair hype train. I am. Who you got, Chris? Oh, this is tough. I like Jordan Brooks. I like that option. I really was about to throw out Freddie Swain. I really thought... Ah, that's a good one. I'm really, good one. I think I really want to do that, but... No, go ahead. That receiving class is just so packed now. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> and I'm not saying... That that's I mean technically that's gonna take away from Dwayne Eskridge who they drafted or yeah it will but I did I really like what Freddie did last year I thought he was really he really just showcased what he's all about big explosive plays found his way in the end zone when Russ needed him he was there pretty much he was I don't want to say a safety blanket but he just always randomly like oh Freddie Swain again with a touchdown oh Freddie Swain with a huge third down completion for a first down so, you know what I will I'll just stick with it I'm there like I'm, go. gonna ta- I'm gonna take Freddie Swain go with Freddie yeah. I like um, that second year option. Go on, Freddie Swain. Yeah, no, that, I that's like a him a lot. One. From the rest from that class as well, I think that uh, Alton Robinson is another one too. Alton Robinson had a really yeah. good rookie year. Uh, I think among rookie pass rushers, he was second in sacks to tr- to Chase Young. Uh, I want to say and that's only four, but I mean, shoot, <laughs> that's still. I mean, you're fifth round pick and you you know balling out like that. So yeah, I think that, those are two good Marquise Blair and Freddie Swain. I like that. There we go. This one's from Case. Casey Masterman, have we met, melted into a puddle yet? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, because it was hot as hell. Oh, nah, nah, nah. I, I made it. I have a I have a crib with a pool. I so did yeah. find out on Saturday you probably should put sunscreen on because my back got baked, so I am sunburnt. I've never worn sunscreen. so that's You need to get sunburnt. No, hell? I don't really. I, 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 yeah, no. That's How not did thing. you not get sunburnt? We were out there the same time. Because I got a crib with a pool. Let's just kind of. We played football in the sun for two hours. That will be yeah. So like, peel back the curtain here. Chris, me and Chris play on a like not a flag football league. Just play with some homies every Saturday. Who um, was out there getting cooked? Shout out to the homie Josh, <laughs> uh, listening to the show. Uh, it's on he, we and Josh are on a flag football team together. Uh, but we and, it was like hundred degrees when we was out there Bro, playing. It was a hundred. It was, was on ninety seven on the. It was ninety seven out there, and the turf just sucked in all the heat. So it was definitely at least hundred and ten on the turf. At yeah, minimum. it was. It was. It was very hot. Uh, we got through. We played a couple games. It was very. It was. It was cooking. Uh, but no, My did, back did not cooked. melt. Hopefully, you guys are all staying cool out there. Um, getting some water, please. Like this is the one time that like living in an apartment it feels like a luxury because you got a pool. Everybody was at somebody apartment pool this this weekend. Uh, but yeah, I I, w- I was fine. Oh. I was all right. And well, I, I enjoyed great. playing football too. That was I needed to get a workout in before I just ate poorly and drank a lot uh, the <laughs> whole rest of the weekend. Next up, we got the homie Ryan Turner at Turns Forty Four. What's up, Ryan? It's what been up, a minute. What up? What up? We're starting the off season with a banger of a question. 
Now that the NFL has approved the alternate helmet allowing for the Hawks to go throwback uniforms, has the throwback unis taken over the mantle held by hashtag Action Gang Green. Action Green Gang, excuse me, has the best uniforms in the league. Keep killing it. So I think we're about to lose our popularity here, at least my take on it. I don't think that, A, I don't really care whether the Seahawks wear their throwback unis i really don't i the nostalgia is not kind of the, they're not ugly or anything like, i don't have that take i don't necessarily i just i just i'm indifferent i really, really don't care um i do th- i don't think teams should be living in the past with the throwbacks i think it's cool to like pull them out every once in a while but like i do think that it's better to like re- and reinvent yourself like challenge yourself design something cooler you know that's why I, that's why i like the action green gang hashtag action green gang so i do think it's cool that the nfl like got his head out of his ass and is letting teams just dress in you know however they want for the most part um with the new uniforms which i don't think comes into effect until what 2022 i guess it's not new uniforms the rule is changing that because before you could only wear one helmet right i think that was the issue and now teams that that rule is gone i believe so now you can like wear the helmet to match your actual throwbacks i think that that uh, that'll help with yeah they helped approve the the alternate helmet see i'm cool with that I don't think any jersey is going to beat Action Green Gang, though. I know some of you guys don't like the highlighter Action Green that they wear. I believe they're undefeated in those jerseys, though. So, like, quit hating, like, if you guys are in that group. <laughs> but the only thing that I think could top them is a black jersey. I think every team should have a black. They really should. Like, That'd be kind of hard. Oh, my goodness. There's a, there's a mock-up of it. I tweeted it somewhere. I forget the dude who created it. But it's it's of Bobby in a black with the green trim. Oh, it sounds so crazy. I'll I'll find it. Someone if someone's listening right now, send that send that to Chris and, and and myself. Tag us. It's a it's there somewhere. It's it's Bobby in like the black mock-up. because Bobby says they want black jerseys too. That's the only thing that could top Action Green Gang. Um, but yeah, I think one day where Russ is in the you know the old school throwbacks, I'm I'm cool with that. But I think their new jerseys are a better, <laughs> and I think that they can create better alternative uniforms instead of just living in the the past if they're gonna dump anything though i I think you can dump the wolf gray i'm not feeling do you like the wolf gray jerseys no i don't really care i think lions too much when i see it so i'm not i think of lions when you see wolf gray detroit lions oh 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 that was a really bad example i was was like oh you think of the lions yeah the detroit lions their uniforms that gray not not really oh the one that'd be wearing on like thanksgiving sometimes yeah Yeah. i just like they're not the lions they're the seahawks but i feel it yeah i think you can just do you can just we can just do better like (laughs) be forward thinking with the uniforms and stuff that means we're not always going to get it right but like the throwbacks okay maybe once or twice maybe just once a year but like i really want i want to see more like action green experiment with some black designing something new you know let the fans help design i don't know i just feel like we have all the technology now we don't need to just pull out jerseys from the 80s all the time we don't need to but appreciate the question though this one comes from holly at hall berry 03 and immediately all i want to say was holly berry holly berry got a got a <laughs> what's got a hurricane chris reference on show in how random is that what game or games are y'all most looking forward to this season and why um that's a good one you gonna give one too I have two games I'm looking forward to. And the first game, it's got to be October 7th against the Los Angeles Rams. The okay. team that sent y'all home was talking mess. And I get it. They do it every year. But I feel it's a little different. Not to mention, they got Matthew Stafford. So it's not like Jared Goff's coming back to rerun it. They got a better quarterback. They do. I'm interested to see what this Seahawks defense. And I want to see Jalen and DK. 
I, I love that matchup. I'm excited for this one. And the second one, it's the Jaguars on October 31st. Happy Halloween, everybody. I want to see what, you know, Shaquille Griffin. I want to see how many times Russ test them, challenge them, because they got a nice little receiving unit over there. They're not a bunch of scrubs. So it'll be fun to see. So yeah, October 31st, Jaguars, and October 7th. Going up against the Rams again. So since I'm back on the road again, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to going to DC. Um, they play, so Washington football team. I think that's Monday night uh, in November. I've never seen. I've never been to DC at all. We were supposed to go last year and the trip got canceled. But yeah, never been. So that like personally, that would be kind of fun. I hope uh, kick it out there. Um, so that's like personally one I'm I'm looking forward to. I think road trip wise, uh, Houston for the same reason. I've never been to Houston. Uh, so I, I accept food recommendations and everything, and I'm also accepting anyone buying me a beer in any of these cities. If that's where y'all going to be traveling or whatever, just hit me up. DMs are open. Uh, like on the field, though, I think in terms of like gauging their championship hopes uh, at Green Bay will be the probably one of the more important games. I don't Russ has never won in Green Bay. Yeah, like Russ never won in Lambeau. And I know QB wins are not like real stat, but like he hasn't. And he's only played particularly well like once um, there. Like he's played like his worst regular season game at Green Bay in 2016. So that one right there, like how they look in that game, I think will be really telling because that'll let me know that they can go on the road if they have to against someone like Tampa or Green Bay and win. Whereas in other years, it's like if they don't get the one seed, they're kind of screwed. If they can go to Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers for the first time, that that will say a lot. Like that's one of the trips I'm least looking forward to in, in terms of the venue because getting to Green Bay is like hell. Like it was terrible last time I tried to get there. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. But in terms of on-field product, I do think yeah, that's gonna be probably one of the more important games for the championship hopes. Because if they get smoked in that or even just lose again, I just can't be confident in their ability to go on the road if they need to in the playoffs uh, and do what they gotta do to get to the Super Bowl. I feel you on that. That's not bad. Did you have another one? That was that was number one. That was it. Nope, nope, nope. That's right. it. That's that's the one. The other ones I'm looking forward to for like selfish reasons, so I can explore the city. <laughs> but in terms that. of the on field, that's the one. I, I mean, I guess there's a DK, AJ Brown, and Julio on the field together in week two. Should be pretty pretty fun uh, as well. This one is from DJ Bienemy. Since you ran a faux eight in the 40-yard dash, how many journalists can beat you in a race? Oh, it's DJ. Oh, hey, what up, man? I, 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 I know who that is. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't peep that at first. Uh, since I ran a... Uh, did I run a 4-8? Yeah, I ran pretty four fast. Nine. I ran a 4-9? Yeah, 4 nine. How many journalists can beat me in a race? I will say... I don't know. There's a million journalists out there. But of the ones that are, like, not a converted journalist... Not Ben Arthur. <laughs> no... <laughs> Shout out to the homie Ben, man. I'm excited to see him week two as well. Uh, but if you're like, you know, some there's some people who are like journalists that used to be like NFL players and stuff like that. Like um, that's not fair. Like you know how Kendrick Perkins is media now, former NBA player. Who's NFL? That's like like Shannon Sharp. Boom. Nate Burleson, media member. Yeah, Nate Burleson, guys like that. Excluding them, I think I'll beat anybody in a fort. That's that's that's. You might have to tweet that out, man. Uh, a journalist. I'm sure someone in Seattle is gonna be like, hold up, man. What's up? Uh, Seattle, I'm very confident in. But I'm thinking like nationwide, like beat writers. Is Joe fan fast? I don't know. Uh, that could be a sneaky one. Because uh, yeah. he's very long. That's, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'm just very confident in, in in my speed. So I'm thinking like all beat writers everywhere else. Oh, yeah, else. I'm thinking. Okay. Th- I think what it's going to take is someone who like ran track in high school or something like that. 
or at the collegiate yeah, level. You don't want that. They ran track in college. It's over. You, yeah, you, no. You I, got about two steps and they're gone. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I don't know if there's people like that. And, you know, like. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah. I, other than that, though, I'm very, like, confident. Like, and, and, and if anyone wants to challenge me, that's fine. Like, I've posted myself running. You can hand time me. You can watch the video. Let's see what y'all look like. That's all. That's, that's that. You know, that's not coming. To I am. I'm, I'm. I'm with that. That's the one. Like, I won't purport myself as like the best hooper journalist. I because I want to see some people actually hoop before I get crazy and talking like that. Because I know there's some guys who can ball um, across. Like even at the athletic, I know we got people who can hoop. So uh, shout out to homie Rhiannon who covers uh, watch the football team. I know she get down on the court too. So like I won't say basketball, but just run in a straight line. Oh yeah, I'm with I'm with the smoke. With just about everybody. Well, it's been called out. Writers, tap in. No, ra- ra- radio, whatever. Just nobody who used to be an NFL player or nothing like that. That's just not. Fair I'm, not I'm not stupid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know my limit, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what's going on. This one's from Omar. We kind of touched on this a little bit with Russ not winning in Green Bay, but which away state will Russ continue to be winless in after 2021? I think the choices are the Rams and Indianapolis, including Green Bay. Has he? Oh, he's never won in L.A.? Damn, really? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, because they lost to the Coliseum. They lost to the Coliseum again. And then lost to the Coliseum again. And then last year lost at the... Coliseum? At, no, 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 at the new place. They got the new... Oh, uh, the I forget new what, joint. Oh, yeah, I forget. SoFi. Yeah, I got lost in there, man. The place is weird. It's like the ground floor is not level one. Mm, that's stupid. It's like level... I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's real weird. So, anyway... Like the stadium is like underground, I feel like. It's like a level scary. level one's like the parking garage. Not the parking garage, like the concourse and stuff. Whereas like you're on like level seven for the press box and I was like, How do I get out? He was like, Just go to six. I was like, That don't make sense. Why don't I go to six? How am I gonna get to my car at six with no other elevators? So I didn't listen, went down to one and I'm back there with the people picking up trash and stuff. And they're like, What are you doing down here? I'm so like, I don't know. I'm taking it to my car. She was like, <laughs> Go up to six. I'm like, six, huh? That's it. Anyway, uh, of those three options, I guess he hasn't won an Indy. That's right. I will say that I would probably guess L.A. Yeah, that'd probably be. <laughs> Damn. That'd probably be my. If I had to pick one, this is a doom and gloom question from Omar here. It Jesus. really is. I, I knew he wasn't going to go at Green Bay because you just explained why he needs to win in Green Bay. Yeah, like there's <laughs> like. There's, and I'm not picking Indy because like I think while he's also never beat, he's never he's only played what one game. In Indy before, yeah. Okay. So I think that's a small sample, but I think a more important sample is the Seahawks have never lost a game against Carson Wentz, who is now the Colt, the Colts starting QB. So I think that's gonna be the streak <laughs> that stays there is that Seattle continuously beats up on Carson Wentz. <laughs> that that's what I'm thinking. You remember the homie Jazz Ferguson? Yeah, yeah, I remember Jazz. He was in the 2019 un- uh, undrafted class. This one is from C M Crowney. I know stuff like this happens all the time, but how is Jazz Ferguson not in the league still? Six five, four four five. Yeah, because it's not just who's tall and can. I think a team that has Doug Baldwin as one of its best receivers of all time should, or a fan base that has Doug Baldwin as one of its best receivers of all time should understand that height and, I mean, honestly, four or five is not even that that fast. Uh, can understand that it's just not the measurables that get it done. I mean, the best receiver. The Seahawks have ever drafted, and one of them is Tyler Lockett. Oh, you know what I mean. So <laughs> like, it. I don't think it. This fan base of any fan base should know that the measurables don't matter. It's it's the the other stuff we see. It's the film study. It's the hands. It's the route running. You know. It's the adjusting on the fly when you have a quarterback who likes to scramble. 
Um, so I think that that's your answer there. Like I haven't done a film study on jazz or anything, but I do remember watching him thinking, man, his feet look heavy. Like he looks like he has runs with heavy feet. Where and it sucked because you had someone in DK who was just as big, and then like if they do reps in the in the wide receiver lines together, be like, all right, DK goes first. Wow, Jazz goes next. Ooh, and it's not fair because like one guy was a second round pick, one guy was you know undrafted. So there's gonna be a natural talent difference. But I think that kind of didn't help either. It was like, well, how many big dudes we need? We got this guy who can fly, runs four three. This other guy runs four five. It's just not, it's not it. Hope he catches on somewhere, but like. Seattle fans should understand more than any, perhaps more than any fan base. Height doesn't, I mean, you had Tanner McElroy was like seven foot tall, right? And didn't, didn't do anything. So yeah, that that's probably the the real answer, but I don't think it matters. They've got, they've got studs now and just being big isn't going to get it done here. It's not like the, and I mean here as in the NFL, it's not like in the, back in the day we had the X receiver lineup outside the numbers and only stayed over there and ran a bunch of nine routes and stuff like that. No, no, Things no, no, no. You got a lot, you, you got Julio's lining up in the slot. That's just a different, it's a different bag there. So, uh, you know, you got Michael Thomas's and then like Stephon Diggs and they're all moving around and there's tight formations and motions and everything. Like you got to really be able to process all that. And this is not about jazz. I'm going to make one more comment before we get out of here. I do think that don't underestimate, like, when you see a guy on the field, you'd be like, oh, man, I liked him. How come he's not around anymore? Not just for the Seahawks, for anybody. The playbook matters a lot. If you don't know where the hell you are supposed to line up, you will not play. <laughs> it is really that simple for a lot of these guys, especially late-round guys, 6th, 7th, undrafted. If you don't know where you're supposed to line up, or you come in out of shape or something like that, you're out of here. Even if you had some highlights or whatever, like the playbook, Matt, not to say that's the reason for everybody, but as the more I've kind of dug into some of these, like, oh, why didn't a lot of times it's playbook. It's playbook or conditioning. Either you didn't come in in shape or you don't know the playbook. This is from Chris P. Which rookie stood out at minicamp? And any unrestricted free agents that you think might make the team? You know what? I'm a cheat. I'm not going to use a rookie. I'm going to use Daryl Taylor who is effectively a rookie. We haven't seen him play. He's never played never played in a preseason game or anything. He's practiced a few times. I think that he has a chance to be the starting Sam or starting strong side linebacker and be really good rushing the passer. Now, that Sam has other responsibilities, you know, dropping, getting in coverage and all that stuff. But I think just as like a guy who's like, hey, man, can you can you get to the passer? Yeah. I think Daryl, Daryl, I don't think it'll pop right away. It might be one of those guys who like in week nine, he has a big game. You're like, yep. It's time. There it is. I, I think Rasheem Green was kind of like that. He popped in the preseason a little bit his rookie year, but then it was he had that sack against the Packers. Yeah, like it was like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it was like ooh, okay. And even Coach Clint was like, "About damn time." <laughs> yeah, because he had the talent the whole yeah. time. I think Daryl might be very, very similar. Okay. Uh, in that regard, but another, uh, I will pick an undrafted rookie because it was. I think there was a question about him in here somewhere. Is the kid from Arizona State? I can't remember. It's like Crosswell Ashari. Yes, that dude. He's got talent. He got booted from Arizona State after like a game or two, but it, like he was a really, really good defender in the Pac-12, uh, really around the ball when he was playing at uh, ASU. I don't know how long he played there. It wasn't long, uh, but yeah, and then he got booted early, so you didn't really think about it. it wasn't on a lot of radars. Um, I can see why he wanted to declare, though. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's got a shot. I think I wouldn't be surprised if of all the undrafted guys, he makes the team just because mm. they need another body at free safety behind Quandre, um, and this kid's got talent. Yeah, Ashari Crosswell. Yeah, yeah, I wrote about him a little bit. I did. I think he's got a shot. Well, that was the last question. 
We want to thank you guys for tapping in and listening to the Seahawks Men to Man podcast. We appreciate all the love and support. Again, yes, we are on YouTube, so go subscribe. We are, I think, what, 40 away from 500? Let's get to 500 subscribers, and then hopefully by the opening of the season, opening of the season, we'll be at 1,000. So I think that's, you know, two months. Get us to 1,000 subscribers. We'll be in there. All right, I'm with that. Yep, I'm with that. We appreciate all the love we've been getting on the on the YouTube uh, part of it. Working on the guests, man. The guests are hard to get. Everybody busy, um, but we're, we're we're trying. Hopefully, yeah. Clint the, was over there, and, and Dave and Buster. Yeah, Clint did the show from <laughs> Dave and Buster's with his kids. You know, in the in, in the background, like you know, like that. people have to do that to get on the show. And that's why we appreciate everybody who gives us some time. We, we really, really do. Um, so on that note, enjoy y'all summers and y'all off season. We'll catch you guys on the on the next episode. Might be closer to training camp. We'll keep you guys posted. Until then, we're out. From a time to your bag and a color on your lip, yeah, you're plenty.